Hello. Is it time to declare a pandemic amnesty? Let's discuss. Welcome to the Forge and Anvil podcast, where we embrace uncomfortable conversations about culture and politics to sharpen ourselves for the race set before us. My name is Connor. I am host of this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, go to forgeandanvil.local.com. Joining me today, we have regular guests of the show, Michael Aber. Michael, say hi. Howdy. I am a student of the Bible, and I want to help change the world and change worldly culture with biblical truth. Awesome. And back again is a regular guest, Zach of all. Good hunker doigle, folks. It's your pal Zach here, singer-songwriter, guitar player extraordinaire. Uh, just released a new album called The Way We Were, streaming now on the internet. And I am live streaming Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time on the tube of you. Awesome. All right. Well, let's dive straight in. So this is from The Atlantic. I'm not going to read the entire article. I'm going to read uh, just a part that will kind of give the gist of the article so that uh, we don't waste too much time. Let's declare a pandemic amnesty. We need to forgive one another for what we did and said when we were in the dark about COVID. Given the amount of uncertainty, almost every position was taken on every topic. And on every topic, someone was eventually proved right and someone else was proved wrong. In some instances, the right people were right for the wrong reasons. In other instances, they had a a prescient understanding of the available information. The people who got it right, for whatever reason, may want to gloat. Those who got it wrong, for whatever reason, may feel defensive and retrench into a position that doesn't accord with the facts. All of this gloating and defensiveness continues to gobble up a lot of social energy and to drive the culture wars, especially on the internet. These discussions are heated, unpleasant, and ultimately unproductive. Case of such uncertainty, getting something right had a hefty amount of luck. And similarly, getting something wrong wasn't a moral failing. Treating pandemic choices as a scorecard on which some people racked up more points than others is preventing us from moving forward. Michael, we'll start with you, but what are your initial thoughts? I think the whole amnesty idea is kind of funny because really what it comes down to is extremism and extremism is a problem in any subject i think when dogmatism takes over thought and and actual logic dogmatism in this case being people who decided to enforce crazy laws or even social norms to say like get away from me get away from my child in a public place or to to say like i've heard of times when people were called grandma killer that was a pretty common one that got passed around where if you didn't wear a mask the right way or if you didn't stay far enough away from other people like that's extremism that's a that's a problem and it's also a problem when people completely disregarded like basic things we know about transmitting any sort of illness when people are like i don't believe that COVID is real because there are people there's a good amount of people who were in that camp as well if we could have just a uh, an ounce of moderation in the way that we think about these things 
the bottom line is when the week to stop the spread started and we had the whole idea of you know stay inside let's not engage with a lot of people so that we can mediate how this thing is going to be spreading because inevitably it will spread and slowing the spread was the goal that was largely for the most part something that we all agreed to but the problem was that it never had an end and they agreed upon parameters of that slowing the spread didn't seem to ever end and a year went by almost two years went by before people were allowed to walk around in public and be in public places without masks and have no quarrels over vaccination status it's still oddly enough in some areas it's still a shady business about the privileges that citizens are allowed to engage in based on whether or not they are vaccinated it's a weird thing a weird world that we live in yeah zach let's throw it to you for your initial thoughts yeah i mean i'm not sure that amnesty is a good word because like i remember reading that and being like what do you mean by that and like what the person talked about in the article i don't think was that um so um i can understand like forgiveness like you know like all of us probably or most of us were involved in some intense discussions about how that pandemic was handled and um like they outlined i think is correct some people were proven right and some people were proven wrong um and it's where do you go from there um and early on in the pandemic there were a lot of people not early on so by like summer of 2020 there was a lot of people that were still trying to stand by what they tweeted in march of 2021 nobody remembers what you tweeted in march 2020 and by july of 2020 nobody really cared what you tweeted in march um because the world was completely different by then um and so i think yeah michael's point about dogmatism and extremism and things like that is is correct and um i mean what i can get behind um the author of the article is like is is forgiveness if you have the bible here coincidentally open to matthew um chapter 18 um in verses 21 and 22 where peter asks jesus how many times am i supposed to give my brother when he sins against me is it seven times is it 70 times and jesus tells him no it's 70 times seven you know the point being that we're all going to do terrible things and say mean things and sometimes we mean the mean things that we say um you know sometimes there are people out there that literally thought we were all like out to kill our grandmas you know what i mean um and those people are are worthy of forgiveness so i mean to answer the question i mean they didn't really go this direction in the piece which is a shame um because i think it would fix a lot of our problems going forward is just um mercy and and forgiveness and things like that yeah i think for me the 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 main issue that i take with this is that I, I too, uh, you know, to to echo what you said, Zach, I too agree with the idea that forgiveness is super crucial. What I don't get behind is the fact that I think reconciliation cannot happen until one party can admit their faults, um, as well as there does need to be some accountability to ensure mm -hmm. that some things are, are not are not repeated. Because I think that this is obviously a multifaceted issue when we talk about. Mm -hmm you know, forgiveness, forgiving what we did when we were in the dark about COVID, um, you know, and 
my first thoughts are, can I forgive my, um, you know, distant relative that, that, you know, called me a grandma killer? Yes, I can, I can forgive them. Can I forgive the person that demanded I put on a mask? Um, you know, at the hardware store, yes, I can forgive them. Am I going to give a blanket pardon to entire government, government, um, agencies that force things upon us and whether that be lockdowns whether that be vaccination requirements whether that be you know some of these really tyrannical measures um you know <laughs> there were people in the streets um marching against these things yeah that were brutalized by the police in some countries mm -hmm. luckily it didn't happen too much in the states but this was a global issue so we're going to yeah. talk about this from a global global standpoint sure. And there were some horrible things. I really think the worst of our governments were brought out in the entirety mm -hmm. of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so forgiveness can happen, but accountability has to happen. And for me, when, when I read this article, I really get the sense that they're wanting people to just kind of forget and move on. And to me, an abuser, I know, I know, you know, abusers, the psychology of mm -hmm. an abuser, they're not going to stop until they are, you know, really facing consequences to their actions. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I think the, the, the global population was abused during this time. Mm -hmm. um, now, some people maybe went along with it more than others. I'm not trying to be dramatic and pretend that, you know, every single person had the same COVID experience. There were some people that truly, <laughs> truly had police, you know, uh, taking them away to camps in Australia. Then there were individuals who, um, you know, were just mildly inconvenienced because they had to put on a mask when they went into Walmart. You know, there's a spectrum mm -hmm. of people, um, people's experiences that we can talk about here. Um, but ultimately, it's the top-down authoritarian impulse that we just saw so quickly be picked up by world governments across the globe mm -hmm. that absolutely needs to be addressed. And mm -hmm. I do find it interesting how this article was put out right before a midterm election as well. Because I do think that there's going to be some change, hopefully, um, mm -hmm. God willing, to the mm -hmm. makeup of a lot of the um, the people in office, at least here in the in the states. So um, I don't know. Did you guys do you guys agree? Do you feel like that's kind of uh, did, no, did either of you read into that as well? Um, so I was confused, like I said, most of the time. I wasn't exactly sure where that that piece was going, like. So, I mean, it's hard for me to be like, like just in, like in the context of the piece, like I don't exactly know where they were going. Like, because if they're going the direction of like, just, you know, forgive, forget, you know, like you can forgive, like, we, like we just did a great, my pastor a couple of weeks ago did a great sermon on forgiveness. It was awesome. Where like, when you forgive somebody, like you don't, like the relationship doesn't go back to the way it was like that you're when, like if, if, Connor and I are in an argument and like I say something stupid and Connor decides to forgive me like like th there's no going back to the friendship we had before that that incident happened like it's it's changed right and so um it's kind of what you're talking about Connor where like um like you can forgive these people um but you don't have to to forget and that's where the accountability thing accountability thing comes in right because if you really want to hold these people accountable like you can complain on Twitter although I wouldn't go on Twitter these days um <laughs> And you can write letters and things like that, but ultimately it doesn't matter. Like if you want to hold them accountable, um, somebody said a while ago, they were giving a talk somewhere, um, Tom Woods, who I've, I've sent links to you guys before with, 
where he was saying like, remember who you're, who's in charge right now? Like when your kid wasn't allowed to get his diploma for graduating high school, like remember who it was that had all sorts that crafted all sorts of weird policies or didn't do anything right to address COVID. Like whether it's Republican, Democrat, whoever, remember who they are um, come election time, because that's when, you know, you can hold them accountable. And by holding them accountable, you can fire them essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of the the ups the the extreme optimist side, I guess I would say, is that like, yeah, you're right. It is kind of convenient that it came out before midterm, but also it's kind of convenient that it came out right before midterm because, you know, there's all sorts of boneheads that kind of need to be replaced. And I think, you know, um for some people, a lot of people, it was hopefully um was the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Michael? Did you read into any of that um, with the, uh, I guess, the underlying intentions within the article? The interesting thing in a call for amnesty in general is that there's a causal relationship that implies guilt. You know, that that's the fascinating part mm-hmm. is that it is an admission of guilt, but they're not willing to be specific and not willing to be maybe forthcoming with like you're talking about a a plan for reconciliation, but the admission of guilt is there insofar as it is a means to an end of getting back into a place where people are no longer angry. And so that's, I think a fairly juvenile perspective on, on forgiveness is like, Mm -hmm. if I ask for forgiveness, then if you're a good person, you'll give it to me and then we'll be fine. Well, I think, yeah, we are called to forgiveness, but there's a lot of things that I think having a blanket statement like that is uh, brushing a lot under the rug. So kind of like what you're talking about, Connor, I can forgive the inconveniences that have been uh, enforced against me and even the wrongs that have been done against me, but it doesn't change the fact that I know in my experience and my relationship with my church family and even my, my own kin, there were a lot of vulnerable, marginalized people in nursing care facilities, in hospitals, in settings where they were taken advantage of by the system because of the limitations that family could have to help provide care. And unfortunately, this is something that I read about that reminded me of these things was that there's people who died alone and unable to be with the people that they loved and the people who loved them and would have been there with them. And I have some pretty close people in my life who died of COVID alone when their children who were physically viable, strong, and able to overcome the illness were not able to be there to comfort them. I'm not saying that that's an unforgivable act, certainly, God has called us to grace, just like, just like Zach was saying out of Matthew 18. But the fact of the matter is, if I can help it, I don't want that to happen again. Mm-hmm. I don't want that circumstance to rise again. And for my ability to exercise discernment to be stifled by policy. But that's also a slippery slope that we all fall down in any policy is that mm-hmm. there always need to be boundaries. So I can even say that when it comes to what actually happened 
during COVID-19 and the the public response as well as the governmental response, not just in the United States, but globally, much of it comes from good intentions, but good intentions pave the road to failure and evil. And unfortunately, we, many of us and other people much more than I did, got to see the brunt of that. I recently had lunch with a, another seminarian here and He's from Myanmar, an Asian country where he was telling me that something like 70 elders in his church, in, in the church denomination locally, all died. And not all just because they contracted COVID and had the illness kill them, but many of them were given a vaccine that was issued to them by the government that had come out of China and was of a lower quality and the vaccine was killing people. And that there was something like a 60% death rate for the vaccinated individuals that was much higher than those who contracted COVID in and of itself. This was all news to me. It's interesting to hear from a global perspective what was going on in Myanmar because here in the United States, I know my wife and I, we weren't even married when this all began and we just hung out together. Didn't really see anyone else. We had a lovely time. It was quite wonderful. It was unfortunate <laughs> that a lot of people got sick and we got COVID and that sucked, but all in all, I had it really nice. Meanwhile, our brothers and sisters in Christ were watching their families die were, and not just over the seas either. I, I mean, we had many families affected locally as well. And in our Native American tribal communities in Arizona, which I'm no longer in Arizona, but that was a huge cultural population that was deeply impacted in a negative way. So it's important to take all of this into consideration. And by that, I mean, the measures that were taken, some of them were done with really good intentions. But when we are willing to die on the hill of restrictions and government control and mandates for locking down or for vaccinations, uh, taking away rights and privileges because of vaccination status or even masking. It's, uh, it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing. And I think the world is still kind of in shock and trying to forget the, the details of what was going on. And that's what this article seems to point toward is let's just bury the hatchet and can we all just move on to elections? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's not as easy no. as that. Yeah. And this article really, really approaches it from a standpoint of like, well, we were, let's just say we were both in the wrongs. Let's just come together. And it's like, um, was, though. It, it, right. And yeah. when I think of my experience of COVID, for example, I took it very seriously the first couple of weeks because none of us knew what was going on during the actual mm -hmm. 15 days to slow the spread. I was actually being cautious. I did not go out unless I absolutely needed to. Um, I was washing my hands. I was doing all the disinfecting, all that stuff. And then as time went on and you start to realize more and more as more studies were coming through, which got censored in many occasions or mm -hmm. deplatformed or at least ridiculed and mocked beyond belief, um, the more you find out that, okay, so this probably isn't as deadly as they thought initially. You know, at that time, you think, yeah, not a big deal. I get it. They just were being cautious. 
But then you start to see pastors getting arrested for hosting services during COVID, depending on where they're at. Mm -hmm. Luckily, we didn't have too much of that here in the States, but we did have a few in California that were having major legal issues. Um, you have members are forced to die alone. You had a Washington high school was attaching ankle monitors to students that beeped when they got too close to each other because of COVID. Um, there was a Colorado hospital that said it wasn't going to do transplants for unvaxxed um, patients. I mean, there was blatant medical discrimination, um, mm. you know, and, and we talked about extremism. Um, you know, you can think of examples like, like individuals saying that they're going to, once they're vaccinated, sneezed on all the unvaxxed people so that they die. Like that's horrible thinking, but that's an individual. But when you think of the extremism that entire institutions took, that is a, a, a much different thing than forgiving an individual for an individual wrong that that right. individual did to you. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's huge. And, you know, one of the things that I got really frustrated by with the article is it did say, uh, let me, let me find this here. It says in the face of so much uncertainty, getting something right had a hefty amount of luck that really bothers me because you could say that during the first month or two of COVID, but there got to a point where there were many people trying to speak out about it that were getting censored. Mm -hmm. And even if you believed the main narrative um, and, you know, from the CDC or whoever you want to use as your, as your resource, believe main narrative, there were individuals that were giving a counter narrative they were giving counter arguments that were being forcibly silenced on social media platforms or in some countries just straight up silenced thrown in jail um whatever the case may be and to say that luck was the only reason why some of us got some things correct is just absolutely insane to me and it is a slap in the face to anyone who had any suspicion at any point about any of the measures taken and i'm not even saying you know vaccine denier i'm not even saying anything like mm -hmm. that i'm saying specifically if you had a question about whether or not lockdowns were effective well then that wasn't luck okay if you mm -hmm. had a question about whether or not kids should be in school because maybe they're learning you know is is worth the risk of them potentially getting sick while we know that they have a low mortality rate um, that's not luck. Now we have individuals who are having speech impediments, young children, and who are insanely behind. I don't remember what it was, but I, I read something that in Tennessee, I think we, we there was a study done that essentially said that children in Tennessee lost the equivalent of like 10 years worth of education because of the learning loss done during COVID. And this is where I think we need to forgive people on an individual basis. But I would encourage any of you who are listening, if you feel like you did something wrong, you need to admit that fault because that is going to bring a lot of healing. Even if it's something small, if you say, hey, I'm sorry I nagged you about that mask or I'm sorry I nagged you to take off that mask, you know, on the flip side, I think you should apologize for the individual wrongs that you have done, not because everyone needs an apology to forgive but because it is just more uplifting and healing to the relationship and that goes for our government but there are some things uh, whether it be our government 
um, or government of another country or major institutions like medical institutions or research facilities. There needs to be some apologies. And then when it comes to institutions, I think there needs to be accountability, whether that be firings, whether that be suspensions, whether that be, um, you know, charges in some scenarios or whether that just be a slap on the wrist. There needs to be some accountability and it all needs to be done on an individual basis. Um, Michael, what are your thoughts on that? Well, that's precisely why it's not going to happen from the institutions, at least, is that if the institution uh, gives an admission of fault, then those are the grounds for legal action and legal action can mean uh, the found word we all love reparations. It can also mean firings. It can mean uh, change in policy, which I don't think that most medical facilities are willing to undergo. And I think by and large, most corporate entities, including government agencies, are going to be seeing that the value of not admitting guilt is greater than the reconciliation of apologizing for anything. So I think that by and large, that's what we can expect from from larger corporations. Uh, individuals would be interesting. And it's funny to think that good old Dr. Fauci, he's an individual an individual that was highly influential and has made millions of dollars out of manipulating people into believing whatever narrative struck him on any given day from the CBC or otherwise. And uh, I think that's an apology that a lot of people would value from hearing. <laughs> yeah. doesn't mean it'll happen though. No, it's not going to happen. Why not Zach? Well, I mean, has he ever apologized for anything he got wrong? Like even the stuff that like, you know, I believe that he knows he got wrong because there are, there's tons of compilations out there, you know, all of them have their angle, you know, but I mean, they're all, they all say basically the same thing. There's Fauci saying one thing and then like two weeks later saying another thing, like, you know, like the, the mask thing where you, know, you don't need to wear masks. And then, yeah. And then, He's, you know, or like his exchange between Rand Paul and stuff like that, which was super revealing to me. And I mean, I just, I, 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 I the whole thing just, that whole Fauci thing just bothers me. Cause like for the entire, like all of 2020, we were all led to believe almost, I guess I, I can't say that cause it's not technically true, but it's almost like he was like the guy, like, you know what I mean? Like, weren't there other people working on this? Like you're trying to tell me this is the one guy in the government right. that we have working on this, like he's in charge, like. It just, it was so bizarre to me. And like, I've never quite been able to to reconcile that or figure it out in my own mind. Like, why was it always him? Like, there, there are, you know, as is it because like, there's like that lady that like thought it was demons or something like that, that one doctor who was kind of nuts. Like, is that why it's because they just only found doctors like that? Cause like, I don't believe that either. Like there was tons of people working on this. There was tons of research got, you know, published throughout the course of, and it's still being published. And now books are coming out. So I never understood why, you know, like when people say like they followed the science, like they usually just meant whatever Fauci said at the time, which changed every eight seconds, you know, and it's probably because, you know, if, if I'm to give him benefit of the doubt, I would have to imagine the reason why is because the, the information changed every eight seconds because everybody was working on this, you know, but even that I can't really prove. Well, 
following the science means that you could get a book deal on leadership like Andrew Como. Sure. <laughs> and he killed like 10,000 old people. Like, uh-huh. and, and very clearly the people of New York were not willing to forgive him for that. Like, you know. That's not even what they impeached him for, which is a tr- tragedy in itself. But there are other governors that had very similar practices. I yeah. believe in New Jersey, uh, Michigan, and mm-hmm. California all followed similar similar practices of putting COVID patients into nursing homes. In fact, it was brought up in the Michigan gubernatorial debate. Um, mm-hmm. Gretchen Whitmer said that she did not do that. And <laughs> I actually went back and and found a video of a COVID patient who was forced to home and who, who was forced to be housed in an elderly facility. And it made big headlines because it was a young man, probably like 30 would be my guess. And he was physically beating up this elderly patient who he was forced to room with because of her COVID policies. So, you know, I mean, fact check like that. <laughs> that's that's a lie she did in fact engage in those practices and mm-hmm. that to me is insanity so yeah. obviously we're not this is going to be something that i think we're going to be litigating the entirety of our of our lives um honestly um mm-hmm. but i'd love to go into you know a a little bit of solution mode um okay. michael what what do you think is maybe some solutions that you'd like to see on the table for moving past this era of COVID with proper accountability, but also of course, um, proper forgiveness and closure. Well, first and foremost, like we've said, and like Zach mentioned specifically is individual, uh, individual reconciliation with one another. Uh, like you mentioned, if you are needing to apologize to someone or a group of people, if you have the courage to do so, that's a huge benefit. And as far as the larger organizations of governmental control, uh, health community agencies, I don't know if we're going to be able to see whether there's any change until something else in a similar fashion comes up. In a, in a recent podcast, Connor mentioned how... Hurricane Katrina screwed up a lot of people, but the people learned and they they changed the the systems and the infrastructure for the city so that when the next hurricane came along, they were able to manage it better. Well, we got hit as a world by COVID-19. And there's so many levels that we could uh, scrutinize concerning the origins of the the virus itself, concerning the spread of the virus, the vaccine, the efficacy of the vaccine, and the enforcement in some areas of the vaccine for employment laws. All of that is something that needs to be evaluated. And when the next opportunity arises, God forbid, I just hope and pray that the people are able to speak up from their own experience in such a way as to hold the authorities accountable. Yeah. Zach, what about you? What kind of solutions do you want to see? Yeah. So, I mean, not to, to be, you know, beat it to death, but yeah, forgiveness. Um, But also remembering that, that 
doesn't mean like your relationship with your for keeping it local here with midterms and things like that with your state representatives stays the same like they may have made mistakes and they may have been you know they may have act done with some of their measures however extreme or not extreme they were they might have may well have been doing what they felt was right um but um that doesn't mean people didn't get hurt by that um and that that you know that doesn't that's why i guess i didn't like the word amnesty because it to me it means that they're not going to come they're not going to come to terms with the fact that uh, even if they had the best intentions that people still suffered and savings to, accounts were decimated and um you know there's issues in the education system and things like that it uh, doesn't mean the relationship stays the same um i mean i think it's at least clear to me as i read the news and, and listen to people talk that um, they're not willing to, you know, let this, let this go. Um, so, um, you do have the option to rehire new representatives. You do have the ability to do that. Um, I would caution that, um, that doesn't mean this, that will entirely fix the problem. Um, these, the new people coming in have the same vulnerabilities as the people that they're replacing. Um, and I, I would recommend everybody go back and read a, piece from the Washington, uh, it was Washington Post. It came out right at the beginning of the pandemic. It's called um, We Were Warned. Um, and it basically outlines in pretty exact detail um, that several presidents from George Bush up to Trump um, were all advised that the greatest threat to our country's stability was actually not terrorism, um, like the Bush and Obama years um they were really harping on it was a pandemic and they outlined basically what a president should do in steps that would might be even then it's not a perfect solution but the fact that that was ignored by three presidents assuming you know a fourth president here with biden um the fact that that was ignored um is something that um should be thought about each each time you step up to the ballot box or are filling out a ballot um and yeah, that, yeah. that would be as succinct as I can make that. Yeah. And obviously there's so much more that we can mm -hmm. unpack. I mean, to your point, Zach, I, I heard as well that um, a simulation was ran that basically said that if swine flu had the same um, type of, uh, of um, uh, contagious nature to it um, that COVID had, the death toll from the swine flu would have been like 10 times worse or something like that. So there is something to be said about what we were warned. So yeah, that might be a good read to go back into. Um, but beyond that, you know, as far as solutions on, on my end, I'd really love to see some of these, um, these agencies that really absolutely shredded their reputation. I would love to see some of these defunded. There are some that we give a lot of money to, and I'm sorry, but the CDC really, really botched their credibility. I'm not saying they can't ever earn it back, but that needs to be like hardcore evaluated and stripped. And until we get rid of all the rot and just keep what is necessary and good, if any at all, and we need to do that with many institutions, I believe, to really ensure that this does not happen again. Um, you know, even things like um, like these different uh, research hospitals, as well as um, colleges and uh, 
um, the academia around that. We even need to evaluate some maybe accreditation for some of these institutions that put out so many um, piles and piles of misleading information on um, you know how the how the uh, pathogen spreads and um, you know what the mortality rate, things like that. I really do think that we need some real practical solutions. And for me, that's going to look like similar to what Zach said, really following up with my uh, elected officials and and pushing for these things. Um, not because I'm unforgiving, but as we mentioned, there must be accountability. Um, I'm not talking, you know, Nuremberg trials, although some people I've heard say it needs to go that far. I'm, I'm simply talking, some people need to be fired and some individuals need to be promoted for actually being a voice in the wilderness crying out so that's that's my take but ultimately i i think that as individuals again i want to emphasize that regardless of what your stance was evaluate yourself myself included i will apologize for the fact that i think i was too willing to go along early on and I now know that I need to do much more critical thinking when a major incident that seems really scary and fearful comes about because I personally have learned a lot over the last couple of years. So that's my personal takeaway, but that's neither here nor there. Michael, where can people find you? People can find me sitting right here writing essays into the wee hours of the night and studying the Bible. Awesome. Zach, where can people find you? Oh, man, I'm everywhere. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Instagram. I just started TikToks for the young kids, for you young kids out there. I'm with young you. kids on your TikToks. For the TikTok toes. Yes, sir. But no, in all seriousness, I can be found on Spotify, Apple Music's, the the Instagrams, the yams, wherever you kids are going, and boomers, I welcome you all. Um, I'm rocking people out of their skulls every other Tuesday with an electric set. Um, and then I'm doing acoustic sets as well on my Tuesday live stream. So YouTube, if you just want to see me hanging out, um, not swearing at technology. I only say things like rats or doggone it when my cameras and equipment doesn't work. But yeah, it's fun. We're hanging out. Um, I do answer questions and stuff like that. Tell funny stories in between songs. It's a good time. Awesome. All right, everyone. Well, we have been Forge and Anvil. If you want to support the show, feel free to go to forgeandanvil.locals.com. Thanks so much for listening.